Hello, I'm Kevin, and I'm still a white man with a savior complex. And I'm Michael, and after winning a bronze medal in archery, I went on to win silver in the hammer throw. And welcome to the season finale of Subtitled Cinema! We can't believe we've taken you through two entire seasons of fire films. Fire! From Argentina to Japan, to Uganda and Chile. We'd like to thank you once more for lending us your eyes and ears as we explore repelling imperialism in Bakurao, staging a coup in the announcement, and achieving planetary travel in the wandering Earth. Screw you, damn Jupiter. Ah, Jupiter. After two whole seasons, we've really enjoyed the opportunity to showcase some of our favorite movies, to highlight non-American filmmakers, and to influence the ways in which you all think about the places and people behind these films. The places and the, if you will say, the faces. And to top it all off, this week we are watching Parasite, directed by Bong Joon-ho. It's the best movie. Parasite takes a hilarious, unflinching look at class division in South Korea, following three families and the ways in which they feed into and on one another. Let's talk about Parasite. Parasite, 2019, Bong Joon-ho. It kind of swept not only like America's award show, which is hilarious, but he also Finally, won the Palme right? d'Or. This is the third movie ever to win both the Palme d'Or and Best Picture of the Academy Awards. Goodness, Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide, for sure. This is the first time since 2013, since blue is the warmest color, that has unanimously won the Palme d'Or. And Whoa. it's the first international... Oh, oh by the way, all, all these are also, like, the first movie from Korea to do so. Yes. He also demolished the 2019-2020 Oscars. He won Best Director, Parasite won Best Picture, Best International Film, and Best Original Screenplay. However, I will give a shout-out to Han Jin Won, who is also credited with uh, the screenplay as well. Screenplay, yes. Yeah. So... Takes it, an army. Yeah, it kind of, like... Made the it best dumped. movie. It yeah. dumped. It showed up. It went, we win, 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 win. Uh, bye. And it's so wonderful to, like, I don't know, just watch him smile as he reached, like, the <laughs> pinnacle of his career. <laughs> I didn't watch it when it was happening, but after he won his, like, first or second award, he was like, I gotta start drinking. I'm not gonna win anymore. And then he won, like, three more. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, pinnacle, pinnacle feels about right. Parasite, pretty consistent with themes throughout Bong Joon-ho's movie. Right, he's been making killer movies since the beginning. Shout out all the way back to season one, episode one, The Host. Ooh, premiere of subtitled cinema. Ooh, that's us. That's our pinnacle, I guess. Or maybe this is, I don't really know. If you have gotten to episode 20 without getting to episode one. (laughs) Please go back and listen to episode one. If you haven't been watching these movies, go watch The Host. Yes. Go watch Parasite. This is what what we're all here for, Parasite. It really is. This really I feel embodies like cinema this is such a universal acclaim because I mean everyone's sort of interpretation in this movie is it's it's either the best movie or it's great and yeah (laughs) there's no bad there's no critic here there's no one saying that this is a horrible movie and a lot of the critical reception talks about it being a fusion between kind of highbrow top class art and these kind of popcorn funny silly movies because, as we've mentioned in the host, Bong Joon-ho has such a talent for melding these different spheres and genres seamlessly. Recalling back to his previous works, you can also see Snowpiercer with my boy Chrissy Ebbs, oh Captain America leading the White way for the poor. I never watched Okja, but I guess that one was also good. I've heard I've heard good <laughs> things as well. I can't imagine Bong Joon-ho making a bad movie. I just yeah, I, right? it's not within me to conceive. I can't really imagine it. It, it just it doesn't it doesn't fit. It just I, my brain's just not big enough. <laughs> so yes, the host we've talked a lot about definitely hit us up on our thoughts on that. Snowpiercer, very similar in that here's a wacky scenario. As a vehicle to explore class division, yeah. controlling people, the power of the disenfranchised masses versus their ruling class minorities. Yes, and also particularly through a South Korean lens. And so you get a through line between all of these sort of themes manifesting in each of his movies. And we arrive at Parasite, which deals with these things in a family setting, similar to The Host. And it's... Each character, again, similar to the host, kind of has their own, like, archetype, their own embodiments, Mm -hmm. their own kind of perspectives in the narrative, but they're all together as a unit exploring, most prevalently, class difference and, as it's seen in Parasite, the difference between this rich family and this poor family and sort of 
the employee-employer dynamic, especially in such an intimate setting as the home, you know. The sanctity of that. Like, this Mm -hmm. is where we make our lives. This is where we say that we are safe, that we are protected. And that obviously comes to bear in a huge way. So not only do you have a class collision, but you have it in this protected space that, as the movie goes on, it is revealed was not so sanctimonious as the Kim family may have thought all along. Damn, that was a big word. Thanks, it's multisyllabic. I don't know if you knew what it meant. Oh, syllabic, what's that mean? (laughs) So, not only do you have that class collision, but it is just in such an intimate way, like hitting close to home, as the turn of phrase go, can't get any more pointed than that. So, I think it's funny that you mentioned the family dynamics with the host relating to here, because I felt like in the host, you have kind of these various perspectives going down the age line and a lot of that clash. But in Parasite, the family as a unit just feels so cohesive, so tight, so mutually supportive for the same goals and aims that it really decenters the family conflict and opens it up for just bigger, broader conflicts. I totally agree. I want to backtrack a little bit to your point about blending high art and low art and talk about just, like, the Cadillac that this movie is and delivering both of those things. It's so good. The movie is undeniably hilarious. And it's, stitches. And it stitches. plays in its own world, you know, a lot. Like, the audience is in on the joke with the family, we're definitely making fun of, like, the rich mother, who we, I guess, simple. sympathize with. Simple. Oh, simple. Simple's too <laughs> much. <laughs> but yeah, we do sympathize with her. Uh, um, we are in on those jokes. Yeah, and we, by by kind of delivering what the, the, the plot is doing in a funny way, I think it kind of alleviates the burden, maybe the, the reality that this family is, you know, parasitic and is leeching onto this other family and is subverting their lives and is, you know... <laughs> Like, taking over their home. Yeah, we'll get on the subject of parasitic and parasites in a second, but I did key into partway through the movie how these are, in the setting of the movie, these are real lives that they are disrupting, that they are displacing, that they are replacing, and definitely the humor helps to kind of divert us away from those consequences and more towards, oh, haha, like, the family's up to shenanigans, like, they're scheming. I think it's probably most prevalent in the two workers that aren't the family the original driver and the original housekeeper yes um i think most particularly the housekeeper the driver is kind of just like you know the panties (laughs) please please say panties les (laughs) panties uh the the housekeeper kind of had her job like taken from her and we were led to believe like this is a hard-working woman we're just trying to have her lose her job so we can take it Right, and with that is the kind of implication and the suggestion from the from the Kim's family point of view that, hey, these are qualified people, I'm sure they're going to find work again. They say it when they're kind of booling the home, oh, the driver probably is already hired at a higher wage at a better job, so we're not going to worry about them because in this class-based society, them being upper-class folk are going to be just fine. We have to worry about ourselves because we've had to struggle for our entire lives just to get, like, scraps. And I think we're very sympathetic to them, you know? When they're fumigating the house at the beginning of the scene, you laugh and I laugh and we laugh and we're supposed to laugh. But it is, like, horrifying. It is, like, oh... And then Bong Joon-ho does a great job at reflecting that when you have, like, the fumigator coming in with a suit on and, like, the smoke is, like, eerily creeping in. And then they all start coughing. And it's like, oh, my God, they're getting a free insecticide treatment. But they're also getting gassed. They are getting gassed. And it's hilarious and terrible in, in equal parts, I felt. That tight walk, I think, is balanced to perfection. And something that Bong Joon-ho has done throughout his career, but it really just, I think, delivered most prevalently in the first half of this movie and oh my god is he good enough to do that second half oh my gosh absolutely so diving into the movie proper now absolutely i would say the biggest theme motif whatever the hell is class division it manifests in so many different ways not only as the kims and the parks sort of infiltrate each other's lives i guess because it does feel mutual to me but also as we get the housekeeper and her secret husband And all of this nonsense as it spirals slowly out of control. But at the beginning of the film, the first shot we see is something that very much establishes the Kim family as a poorer family. You have the socks hanging, implying no working drying. You have a slow kind of movement down of the camera to show that they are not even on street level. They're They're, in those kind of semi-basements. They're looking for Wi-Fi because the neighbors finally added a password to theirs. Right, they have been... 
if you want to go along to Parasite, leeching off of their neighbors in that kind of way. You know, implying they can't have Wi-Fi of their own, they can't pay for it. And on that note, I picked this up on the second time I was watching it, but when when they were hustling the the pizza company, and yeah. not only did they like not do it properly and they're getting paid docs, but there was also like, hey, you need a new employee, right? Oh, my sister knows that that guy ran into trouble. And so to me, I kind of read that on my second watch through as like, oh, are they already sort of like subverting some other business, trying to like infiltrate it themselves, trying to be like parasitic, just like in every opportunity they can be. Now he's parasitic loosely, but you right. know, trying to infiltrate this business, trying to get themselves jobs. I mean, they're already folding pizza boxes for them. They're already kind of like have their foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, is this them taking it one step further? I mean, the son's already trying to get a job and his arms on her, so on. This is them leveraging the position and the knowledge that they've accrued. Absolutely. I love that reading of it. Yeah. I didn't even really pick up on it that strictly, but it does seem like the schemes that they, throw at the park family they are familiar in how to kind of do those things well they're gosh they might as well been like heist professional honestly at that point (laughs) so i want to touch on that scene that you mentioned too as well because when they're folding the pizza boxes and they're getting gassed the dad is unresponsive to his environment because he's watching the youtube video of the person doing it super fast and he's doing it he's emulating it like pretty perfectly so right off the bat I read that scene as a way not only to show that he's a quick learner, but to show that he's extremely skilled and very flexible and able to acquire new skills very quickly. So he's very qualified and and, and just very skilled at what he does. And I think that comes to play with the class division because he is in a position where he can't necessarily showcase those skills as easily or is not given the chances to exercise those skills. And that has less to do with who he is as a character and what he's capable of and more of just his station in life. The second part of the scene that I wanted to ping on was, as you mentioned, how they're kind of like, hey, you know, we're already folding the boxes, like might as well give us the job. In that scene itself, just seeing the family on screen, I thought was really powerful because you have sort of like the daughter come in from the left, the mom come in from the right, someone standing behind and through the collective pressure of the family and their presence dominating the screen, they are able to kind of make the pizza girl relent. She does kind of buckle a little bit upon when you get that that sort of surrounding pressure. Shout out mise-en-scene. <laughs> <laughs> right, she kind of like ducks her head. She's definitely like feeling their influence. And I think it just speaks to their power as a family, their power as a unit, and how when they're all on the same page and collaborating, they're able to achieve things that they could not achieve alone. Tangentially, I'd also like to say um, it was it's that works due to kind of the the subtle cinematography throughout the movie. The way Bong Joon Ho combines like camera movement and framing, that dynamic of things, the fact that they're kind of always in sync, not only keeps everything really engaging, but kind of creates this cerebral effect every shot. So that just kind of also speaks to just how well-oiled this machine is, is going and how like brilliant this movie and his directing skills are. I think it also speaks to sort of what instigates the plot with a recommendation. The son gets the job with the family upon a recommendation from his university friend. His university friend who's better positioned, absolutely. The university friend gives him this job, the rich mother... She doesn't even check his qualifications. Right, she know? glances at it, she tosses it away, she's like, no. Oh, but you have a recommendation from Min, so, like, you know, you're obviously qualified. That's what matters to her. And she does want to sit on on a lesson. True, However, said. the actual, like, academic performance of that, like, was not there. She Like, he, the son just gave her daughter, like, a pep talk, and that was, like, enough. Even Mrs. Park alludes to it, where she's like, we loved Min, we didn't care too much about the grades. So even this tutor job is not so much about performance as it is having a tutor her daughter likes having a family dynamic that's comfortable and pleasing for everyone involved it's not about performance it's more just about image betrayal keeping up with you know appearances cultivating that community sense not really having to worry about oh am i making the grades am i doing what i ought to be doing because no matter what they have the backfalls of being immensely rich and privileged i think now would be a good time to bring up Hell is South Korea, or hell is Korea, (laughs) Korea hell. This turn of phrase that became popular around 2015. On social media platforms, Twitter, and others. Do you want to say it? Do you want to say it in its purest essence? Hell Joseon. That was really good. I speak Korean, I really got, like, teleported across the world just then. I know in the uh, Wild Tales episode, I revealed that I'm fluent in Spanish, but, you know, I'm also fluent in Korean, and it only took me 20 episodes to, like, have that slip out. 
Lots of Duolingo practices. Hell Korea. Korea's hell, but... Hell. South, South Korea. Yes. Uh, yes. Which, sorry, f- of the two, like, that's, that's kind of a funny reversal. Yeah, we're never talking about North Korea unless we say North. <laughs> this isn't the announcement where we accidentally <laughs> sing the wrong anthem. We know which one we're talking about. <laughs> so, um, Korea hell. Yes, is a flourishing idea that spawned out of uh, Korean youth about a lot of sort of economic struggles and unemployment that a lot of South Koreans are facing. It starts most commonly with the mandatory military service that uh, South Korean men go through. We talked about that briefly in the host. Go check that out. Inherent in every draft, there's always going to be draft dodgers and other sort of ways to worm your way out of that service. That also manifests itself on class lines. If you're in a higher class or you're wealthier, you're more likely to be able to avoid these sort of detriments. And I say detriment because it removes you from society for like 16 months. And if you're trying to work on a career or if you're trying to go to school, you definitely have to put pause on that to go spend time doing something that cannot necessarily attribute that to your personal life. In, in some cases, yes. This is not us necessarily bashing on like a national service program there are plenty of cases where it like helps out and, and there are plenty of instances where your service like does bolster your career and help you out and yada yada obviously there's also many cases where it's very necessary oh yeah absolutely so uh, all of the complexity that goes into having something that's nationally mandated like that it, it's a big deep issue yes however all the issues that sort of come out of that are are exacerbated by class division. The way I understand this term is kind of a combination of three things happening in South Korea leading up to its coinage, and that is, first and foremost, the high rate of unemployment in the youth, and connected with that, just requirements for higher education. College becomes something that if you don't have automatically, you're just not going to qualify for even the most basic jobs. The crisis of home affordability, where prices are just shooting through the roof, we feel this all over the place, but in South Korea especially, it is it is dire. And the increasing socioeconomic gap between wealthy and poor, this class division we keep hitting on again and again and again, those three combined is really where I understand where the term is coming from, because, oh, it's such a hellish environment living in, because no matter your qualifications, no matter your specifications, there are so many other people just like you with the same or better qualifications gunning for the same positions that everyone's overqualified for and therefore nobody's getting the work that they need nobody's able to get a leg up or start a career because we're all kind of fighting for such job scarcity everything is so immensely competitive that unless you have the sort of privileges that would allow you to go to a university and then flourish in that university you're kind of left behind in this rapidly increasingly competitive Well, and then even then, too, just the along with all of that, and as we've been saying to all of those very special privileged lucky things, and then the connections and the networking that would enable you to move through these environments, because there were a fair amount of influx of college grads who then just still also couldn't find work. So it's like, well, dang, if the university kids can't find anything, how can the non university kids find anything? I would cite the son's character in the host. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And on that note of networking, I mean, that's just something that is both exacerbated by and enforced by class division. You know, a lot of it comes by who you know and so on and so forth. I mean, the only way uh, the Sun character even got a job is because of men. men. And then as we see, as they slowly get more and more involved in the park's lives, it's all word of mouth. It's all, hey, my cousin's classmate, is it? That's like the sister's character. Yes, hey, my cousin's classmate is an art therapist. Hey, my uncle's driver or something, you know, super trusted. This service that we're going to make up is so highbrow and exclusive and fancy. Something worthy of these rich people. When he said you can tell the quality because of the business card, I was like, everything is American Psycho. No, like definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's absolutely forefronted in that the only way they're able to leverage their position and their influence as a family, like we kind of mentioned earlier, is because so much employment is contingent upon trusted, and these big air quotes there, trusted referrals. And if you don't have those, you're shit out of luck because if you are in a lower class, there is no way for you to make those connections and therefore there is no vertical mobility at all. There is only horizontal movement and that's why people like the Kims were never going to have a chance at sort of living the kind of lifestyle that they are able to when they're house-sitting and kind of pretending that this is their own home and no way for at the end of the movie the son to actually buy the house. 
English speaking is another example of sort of classism in Korea as well. Um, that kind of stems out of uh, the CAT USA, a extension of the United States military's presence in South Korea. It's sort of a sovereign extension of the United States military, and that sort of like prevalence in South Korean culture. English being now sort of a, a high skill requirement again exacerbates sort of those maybe of traditional Korean backgrounds or those of quote lower classes. Uh, it's just another obstacle uh, and sign of privilege for people to get through and get past. It is very obviously seen in this movie as our son is literally a tutor, for, uh, an English tutor for uh, this rich, yes, this rich teenage daughter. Yes, English absolutely does just become another indicator of class, of privilege, of success and accessibility. That cello and the like in the backyard in the party scene. Oh my gosh! Yes, truly like seance. Oh, you're just bringing that up? It doesn't even tie into English? Okay. I mean, like, you know, European <laughs> influence, white people, uh, Americans, crackers. Oh my gosh, no. A hundred percent. What I was going to say was, you, we see the mom pulling it out to, to say, I am deadly serious, which, first of all, whoa. <laughs> I did not like my ears. I am deadly serious. My ears weren't ready at all. But that is not only a way to communicate to him that she is looking for a English tutor that is up to her kind of par, up to her expectations, but as another way to show that she has some English skills because of her positionality. <laughs> Does it? Hang on, is it? One second. Let me... Old radishes? Does it smell like pour in here? <laughs> God, smell was like an unexpected trope that was used to success... <laughs> succession okay before we get into it as our kind of like scholarly examination can we unpack your reaction to this the first time we viewed it yes i'm glad you brought that up so by the way the first time we viewed it was in sif go watch sif we can't pull ourselves enough the seattle international film festival look it up the first time i saw this movie a i loved it all right oh my gosh yeah yeah they, yeah i don't want this to take away from no no, my, no, no, no. <gasps> loved it the first time loved it the second time yes. it's that good watch this movie the, the second time i think really just ironed out those wrinkles for me yes when i Rewatched it. I took note of just how frequently smell as a trope is used throughout the movie, the and it was definitely more prevalent than I had recalled. And in the final scene, when the rich dad smells like when he flips he, over, he, he grabs the keys. Yeah, yeah. When he flips over the guy who's living downstairs, right. his body, right. and grabs his keys. One, I did not realize the first time that he was smelling the body he was flipping over. That sort of adds some sort of class congeniality between the the guy living in the basement and the, the father Kims. character. Yeah, yeah. Kim. Because did you think he was smelling the dad? At I that did. Point? Okay. And see, I, yeah. And that I was makes like, sense. when I first saw it, I was like, "Whoa, dude! Like, how are you? This taking, is a weird. Yeah. How are you taking time to smell him right now? But when I like kind of saw, I was like, oh, he's smelling. You know, the body. He's overturning. It's a little bit more of an intimate experience. Right. And it was just a lot more prevalent in the movie. Especially when the sun comes downstairs for the first time, is goes. Oh, you both smell the same, which is such like a biting moment because oh, you're like, oh, I hope they don't like catch you. Because again, we're rooting that's what for I them. Was th- no, exactly, exactly, exactly. So that's just it's really funny to me going through this two times with you as well. How kind of because I I think too it was a little more subtle the second time around because mm, I just yes, remember ta- yes, I don't remember, point, yeah too, I remember yeah. talking with everybody the first time how it was kind of like a when we would emulate it it was like a <laughs> much more of like a motion like yeah. a like a coming forward to smell but the second time viewing it's 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 a lot more. Just like minor as he turns, like it's a reaction for sure. But I think I just dominating. got like blasted by it the first time because there was just sort of elements that weren't as like obvious going into it the first time. And so when I, he went, we just smelled anything at all. I was like, whoa, that's glaring. <laughs> I totally get the reaction, which yeah. is why I wanted to give it this like little shout out because I think it's really funny. Yes, but going back to the trope of smelling, like I love right, it. Right, right, yeah. Let's 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 pull it back now, and 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 do that sort of examination. So. One of the first instances you already mentioned was the sun coming down, I believe. Yeah, that, I think that's the first time I think smell was used. really the first... It's at least for me, the first time that really pings. Yeah. I would totally believe it if it comes in earlier. Yeah, but this is, I think, the first time it was referenced like to, from, a, from a rich person to a poor person. Right. That was a clench moment for me because I was like, oh... You could easily realize, like, they smell the same because that's, like, their home smell. Like, they live yeah. together. That's what I thought. Both, both times, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. the first time you like... see it in my first viewing, but also I think just the first time, that's kind of how you're supposed to take it as. It's not, like, a class distinction thing. It's, like, a mm-hmm. home thing. 
Because, I mean, you know, I think we can all relate to this, where, like, if you leave your home for an extended period of time, you come back, you can smell it. Other people yeah. smell you and kind of know you smell like home. Like, my grandma smells like my grandma's home. Yeah. They both smell freaking awesome. Shout out, grandma. Totally rad. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it kind of goes to show that this sort of, like, post-humanist idea of, like, your environment is who you are, who you are is your environment, because those two things are inseparable, and therefore, if you smell poor, you're poor. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they smell like old radishes. Where does it come up next? It comes that, up... That pings for you. Oh, wait, I do want to... The panties comes to mind. Okay, I do, wait, I, let's talk about that for a second. Because Please. when the wife has a plastic glove to like move the panties, <laughs> and then later she like gas and like holds it up to her face yeah, anyway. I was oh, <laughs> so I would like take in a turn for a sec, but I need to like highlight that now. No, let's talk about this scene very briefly. Yeah, ineffective. <laughs> but also, I love this because this is the first time we really get to see the wife husband dynamic. Yeah, because we so rarely see them as a family. What we really see is the wife and and her relationship to the people she's employing. Yeah. So this. <laughs> When they say simple, <laughs> the husband is like, do you understand what I'm implying? And she goes, no. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> that rich wife killed it. She knocked that it out of the park. She, that actress. You know who she reminds me of? Who? Sorry to make it Western film, but Knives Out. <sighs> when he goes, and he goes, <laughs> hi, there was, <laughs> I heard a noise. Hi, I heard a noise. <laughs> Shout out to that actress. I don't know her name, but she's my favorite. She was in Hereditary. She was in Hereditary to Krista then too. That's who it reminds me of. I'm just that like airhead, like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm here. I'm kind of in charge, but I'm not very skilled in the same way that these working class people are skilled. I'm not qualified. I mean, I can't make Ramadan, you know. Right. I don't have to survive because I'm in this position. So therefore, I'm. I'm I kind can of be like, dumb. Well, exactly, exactly. When he goes, yo, those cheap panties. Put them on clockwise. Like, oh, oh, don't say clockwise. <laughs> All rich people want to be poor, I guess. They want to fake be poor. Yeah, because that's why she's like a designer with tears in it. Oh, <laughs> she's like, buy me drugs. <laughs> buy me drugs. <laughs> I was blown away. I was blown. I think I just didn't even like remember that the first time, but the second time I was like, she's like playing the boys. <laughs> <laughs> they they accused them. The daughter, yeah, of being using like drugs. being like on meth <sighs> or something. <sighs> so you know that I think that's a brilliant little peek into how the rich maybe think of their less privileged folk like, when they want to feel primal. I guess, or just I, I don't know, just <laughs> the ways in which they contextualize lives that are not their own. What is dirty? Oh, g- really good way of summing it up. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, thanks for taking us on that detour. Because we sure got to Let's jump back to smell. Let's bring it back to smell. So, yeah, the, the smell of the... He does sniff them. He does sniff them. Definitely a motif. Terrible. Uh, the next one I really remember is is now the driver, Mr. Park, smelling uh, in, the in the backseat. Oh, when he's in the front seat. Yeah. Or yeah. when the, Mr. Park's it, in the backseat, the driver's it, in the front exactly. seat. Exactly. And he, he kind of gets like a whiff. And he's like, eh. I think he maybe mentions it then. The details are a little hazy. Yeah. But he's like, oh, smells bad. Yeah, well, I think it was... I think he might have kept it to himself or something. I think he might have kept it... I think but he, he just smelled it face. Like, yeah, Ugh. I think he goes like... <laughs> <laughs> and that's like another clear illusion to smell. We get a similar scene later when the wife, when Mrs. Park is in the back and she goes and rolls down the window. Mm, and by that yes, point, yes, it's yes. more overt because then he smells himself again. So at this point, it, it, it's been more closely tied to him. And then they talk about the laundry. Like, we all need to do different laundries so we don't smell the same. Oh, that's way up front. No, that's that's no, no. That's when that's when Dai Sung goes up to them and goes, "Oh, yeah, yeah you're right." Because you're right, you're then right. they're like, "How do we avoid this?" Like that was right at the beginning. Thanks for mentioning it because clearly it shows you know that they can't quite like address it even as time progresses, no, despite definitely. their best efforts, which I imagine that that happened. The last most notable time that we see it is obviously in the final scene, like I mentioned earlier, with the dead guy being rolled over. Mister Park smells him and. That actually generates, I mean, as I mentioned, that congeniality between the two men. Yeah, I really like that connection there, because that's not something that I pieced together explicitly. But it definitely, I think, was, I mean, I think the catalyst for the father then stabbing the the richer yeah, father. Yeah, that was kind of the snapping point. That was what got to him. Because to the rich man, they're the same. Well, or something like that. I mean, not only, I feel like so many things, right? A, that definitely comes to bear in it, but when we see 
the father look up and we kind of get this POV shot where you get him looking up and around and then you see his wife scrapping with this man with weapons, a very stressful, very dangerous, very on the brink of death. And then he looks up and to the right and his son is bleeding from his head unconscious being carried by the parks daughter and in the midst of all of this he suddenly looks back down at his daughter who is bleeding out on his hands so he is in a place i can't even imagine and then he sees this recurring theme of kind of being treated as a subclass second class humans that smell bad and therefore don't deserve rights or opportunities or freedoms and as all of these factors just come to weigh on his psyche, that is kind of the decisive moment where he grabs the knife and plunges kills, it in. You know, like really kills Mr. Park. It was also right after they're chilling behind the bush in the uh, the Indian headdresses, which I want to return to. Yeah, we we will because we got to deconstruct that for a second. But when they have their sort, when he finally crosses the line or whatever, and it's oh, like he kind of yeah. oh, because you like love your wife, and he's like, hey consider this part of your payment. Like, you know, you're going to help out with this party and you're going to kind of just do everything we ask of you as an extension of being our driver. Because I remember when he was pushing the shopping cart earlier in preparation for this party with the wife. Just, that's more than a driver. Yeah, Yeah, he can help out. He can be general help, sure. But like, Again, now it's like participating in the kid's birthday party. He's mm-hmm. kind of like this, an extension mm-hmm. of the family, but definitely at like arm's length. Because they become enmeshed, absolutely. Like their lives just become increasingly intertwined. Because we talked earlier about him being very skilled, you know, with the pizza boxes. He, he has these things. And the driver, too. Even Mr. Park does the whole corner thing with the coffee. He is good at what he does. And that is a huge point of the networking in this family and that they're all highly skilled, but they don't have the chances to showcase. They are also all generalists able to do a wide variety of things, whether that is forging documents or pushing a shopping cart or having conversations with this family that are engaging and pass the time in a way that's comfortable, that doesn't push that line, even though sometimes it gets close. All of these different things is just an amalgamation of positions that would never show up on like a job description or anything like that. You just It comes with the position of being these servants, almost. Definitely. It's definitely a, a a service job. Service, yeah. It definitely is a service job. And with any service job, it establishes a pretty strict hierarchy. Now, nowhere is the hierarchy more visually clear than in the Flood sequence. The Flood scene is probably the... When it rain, it pours certain effect. It was right <laughs> when like things were beginning to go wrong, and that like right when the sub basement area was found, right when it was going against the plan, like they mentioned, they're running back to their house. Like, what's part of the plan? Like, what are we gonna do? Right. This is everything is unprecedented now. Their little weekend overnight stints where they were just gonna have fun is now suddenly very complicated by hey, maybe we killed people. And then their home floods. Yeah, so... Not, and their neighbor's homes. The and their neighborhood, neighborhood floods. floods. Right. So not only do you have so clear in the class where the parks are at the top of the hill, at top the top of the, of the yeah. top, they don't have to worry about any of the rain. In fact, a little bit later, the wife is on the phone and she goes, wow, the rain was so beautiful. Look at the clear air. We can bask in the benefits of the rain without having to worry about the things that the kids have to worry about. But we have them literally like King of the Hill, top of the mountain, and then all the way down and down and down. And here you really get a sense for how far away they're living. Yeah, it's a walk away, but you go from such a high-class area to somewhere underground. And it's a, it's like a sub-basement. Like, it is. It, it's, not, it's not just like you know a floor-level or street-level home. It's below that. And not only is it strictly a basement either, though, it is that kind of liminal in-between mm-hmm. to show even then that it's not... Like they're not, not the guy creeping in the basement. They're not that low, as it were. Mm-hmm. But they're not even ground level. Exactly. So as they just continue going down and down and down, when he stops and is looking at the steps and all the water is just flooding past his legs, that was just such a powerful, you know, that's what trickle-down economics looks like. Oh. <laughs> it's only bad stuff. It also, I think, was just a very... I mean, going back to like you know the technical aspects of this movie, the soundtrack as this is going on, it's pretty subtle, but I think it's really effective. As well as just like you feel that rush of water, oh my gosh, you know, and they're yeah. like you know ankle deep or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like oof, this is gonna get bad really fast. Like we, you know, do we leave the window open? They're getting like shocked trying to close it. Mm-hmm. Nothing that would have helped anyway. I feel like oh that, my gosh, you know, no way, no way, not with how that structure's built. Yeah, absolutely not. 
you just see them too drenched, drenched and it's to the sewage bone. water like it, it really is everything that it is mm-hmm. all these horrible things all at once when he goes back inside to the flat and he saves the silver medal oh the, off the, the wall yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah kind of shakes it as, as the best he can yeah I love that because A underachievers you know shout out the host shout out Bong Joon-ho <laughs> for like recognizing what's real um, and also, that's sort of a national pride. I want to like emphasize that too. I agree. Um, and it's the wife's character. I mean, that's talking about the like, strong females, I guess, something like that. But I just thought that was a really cool element to show. You know, this is someone who is South Korean. Like, this is an Olympic medal, right? A South Korean woman who is worthy of like distinct national value. Mm-hmm. And this is not someone who's living in these fancy suburban homes. This is you know your neighbor living in this poor, impoverished area. She definitely has worth, and by saving that medal, I mean, it, it also shows, like, the worth and pride of that family. Absolutely, yeah. Like, yeah, they're they're not living it up in the same way that the Parks are, but they shouldn't have to, to have, to have, as you said, to have that value, to be seen as valuable, for it to be understood that their contributions are worthwhile and worth preserving. So, yeah, I, I do really like how that one symbol sort of encapsulates all of these different things. And boy, do I also like the daughter sitting on the toilet exploding, smoking one of her few cigarettes. I about to say, everything's yeah. gone to shit. Everything's so gone to cool. shit is just the best way to summarize that frame of, like, the toilet exploding out and her just, like, smoking her a cigarette. Just, her just living in that moment. Yeah. This is also where he, the son, picks up the rock. Ah, yes. They, he manages to save the rock. It clings it to clings him. It clings to him, yeah. So, at the rock's introduction, Min gives it to him. This is so metaphorical. I loved that a lot. This, to me, was symbolic of sort of the mantle being passed down, a gesture of trust, because Min is positioning his buddy here to kind of watch over this high schooler who they both get the hots for. It brings good fortune. Material wealth. Material wealth, yes, material wealth. So it's all of these things of just sort of Min opening the door almost for the sun as a sort of like you can follow me through to this ideal of a capitalist life you know just like it, we talked about a no no pleasures anyone it could happen to anyone not everyone anyone and that's kind of like the trick of the system so the fact that the rock clings to him i think is that sort of ideology that yeah even at their lowest point of the flooding this notion that he can somehow still make it rich that he can somehow work his way out of the sub-basement is still persisting in him. I just thought that rock was like a cool, like repeating omen. And the idea that it brings material wealth and it did in a sense, where they're all living in the family, living True. in opulence, however, trouble in paradise. Right, trouble in paradise. After they lose their homes and they're in that shelter, I just love that setting, that little conversation mm. he has. Um, About the plan The father and, and the son, yeah, just yeah. you can't have plans, they never go through. And there's a brief shot of South Korean officials arguing with people who had lost their houses. Again, shout out the host. But it's also sort of that idea that, like, you know, the government is incompetent or maybe not being incompetent, as the host kind of, like, readily says, but is not... Maybe not being super helpful. Yeah, or, you know, is cannot be relied upon. Mm-hmm. Then, the, like, just the phone calls they receive from their employers, like, can you oh make it to gosh. our party at oh this time? Gosh. You're like, yeah. we're, like, just went to bed and, like, sewage water. I am so impressed at them for even showing up in... in reasonable attire I'd be like can I shower when I get there yeah. <laughs> that was just the only thing I was thinking of I was like that was no, sewage water and yeah. like and I would use in a the gymnasium of people who were just also like similarly flooded yeah. yeah a lot of just nut stuff icky very icky so yeah we are basically back at the end again the party goes without a hitch ha 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 that was such a look sorry look, 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 look. interior design like sick parties like I'm just <laughs> saying like yeah they're rich and opulent and like classes and literally think they're superior than us but damn okay, do they, they not they, know they, how to they throw they a party they like, you know like, God, sorry making out stop can't stop thinking about the people we may be killed uh, I'm about to go downstairs and murder somebody <laughs> sorry I can't like focus making out with my 16 year old girlfriend <laughs> oh my gosh but yeah, yeah, just, you know, him looking out through that glass barrier, knowing that he will never really be one of them. Yeah. Uh, be the, accepted the, as one. His, like, insecurities about, like, do I fit in here? And she's like, yeah, you do. And it's like, I guess you I, do. I think it implies that he never really could. He doesn't feel like he does. Right. You know, he looks the part because he, you know, he's around them, but he doesn't feel like he fits in because it's like, these are not his people. Exactly. He's faking his way in there. They weren't made in the same way they would all smell him and you know think something yeah and you know even in this 
bullshit in my opinion rhetoric of like oh like even mr park had to like work hard to do his company it's like well no mr park was probably like born rich and was extraordinarily lucky and had opportunities presented to him on a silver platter that he therefore did some amount of work for and yeah he's like, heading a company. he's like a tech guy oh exactly like this whole notion of bootstrapping is like complete nonsense i really think the language of the film throughout is telling us that there is no way that the kim family could ever in any conceivable reality become the park family yeah, the final sort of montage scene where it's going over his letter to his father after seeing yeah. him in the Morse code and sort of like his send off to his dad or saying, I'm going to save enough money. My first go through, I saw that as kind of an aspirational ending. And when we finished watching it, you were like, oh, yeah, sadness. And I was like, what? I didn't get that. <laughs> um, however, I would agree. Like, yeah. it, it is not a happy ending. Like you said, my reaction the first time, frankly, I had the same gripe with this film the second time as I did the first time, which is I wish it had just faded to black and not returned to the sub-basement because I found the messaging that that was unattainable so strong. However, that being said, I totally still understand and appreciate the value of having that last shot but to really solidify like the unattainableness of it. Because the only reason I call this my gripe is because, to me, it was so clear that not only within the mode of this letter, son to father, that anything we're saying now is so far from the realm of possibility, like it's so head in the clouds, like hopeless, hopeful, that it would never actually be achieved. Building off of everything we've been saying, where it's like, yeah, there is no way that him saying, I'm going to work hard to earn money to make this house, could ever actually connect him to buying this house. At his wages in South Korea as hell, in a jobless, extremely expensive housing market where he is not born wealthy and, as we said, cannot kind of make those vertical connections. It, there's just no way. There's just no way. He's not going to become Mr. Park. He's not going to become Mr. Park. And that's why I felt like it was a little unnecessary at the end to really show us that he's not going to become Mr. Park. But I, I get it still, even with that like minor gripe. My initial thoughts were... Like I said, sort of that aspirational, like, oh, you're going to try hard. However, within the kind of framework that the movie provides, you know, if we take a very, like, diegetic approach to it, there are, you know, big issues with sort of how that would even, like, work, right? Like, there's surveillance cameras everywhere, and that was definitely shown because this is kind of like his own prison, right? He can't leave because then he will be seen. So even with the literal realities within it, it's supposed to say, like, hey, it's not about just trying to, like, work your way through this system. It's more about trying to now adapt to the system that is. Right. Even within the grandest of fantasies, there is no true liberation because the father would still be confined to the house no matter what. Definitely. And the idea of bootstrapping and just, like, working hard and working through it, I think that's inconsistent with Bong Joon-ho's message. And that's what kind of deflects that sort of perspective because i think taking that sort of korea hell attitude you're not going to reach that sort of opulence because you worked hard you're going right. to reach that kind of opulence out of through sheer luck through sheer like through birthright. recommendations mm -hmm. through you know navigating your upper class exactly so yeah i i, I definitely never read it as a hopeful ending i think you can if you want I, th I, I, I think you can take something away you know, from, like, yeah, the ass, you know, you totally don't have the expectation he's going to achieve that dream. Because, again, right. as their conversation mentioned earlier, dreams never go to plan. Or never go as planned. Plans never, yeah, exactly. And I think one of the most potent symbols kind of in favor of these readings is him finally releasing the rock. After he goes yes. through all this head trauma and he loses his sister and his father very much so, too. And he places the rock in the river. Me reading that as a symbol of material wealth, of connection, of this kind of bootstrapping idea, and then him therefore releasing it, I think does go to show that even though this is a dream he's now sharing with his father in writing this letter, even he recognizes that it is futile and is not actionable in any tangible way. Another fun little tidbit is the actor who played the son said in an interview that it would take, oh, something like 564 years for him to actually save up the money to buy that house. So, you know, just I, I'm live. not convinced that capitalism causes wealth inequality. <laughs> like, why don't you just work really hard? <laughs> why, just work really just, hard. You're just, not working hard you know, enough. Just, just get another, another job. Don't live seven discrete lifetimes on the average expectancy to afford one single house. Like, just try. Is that, like, before taxes? It is! <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe nine lives. Oh, gosh. 
So yeah, this fade to black, a little soul crushing, little little sad boy hours, little sit down and have a sad feel. It was very satisfying, though. It was satisfying. Yes, yeah. I did not leave this movie feeling sad. Yeah. You know, I mean, definitely the weight of the last. There's some sternness to it. You're like, Ugh. yeah, like it, it is. You know, there are feel bad times. They still people be die. eating rich people food. They still be eating rich. Look, look, the lives of like three families kind of got ruined in the last little bit. Yeah. Also, I just want to shout out the kid who just is going to have had like a, a, a seizure again because uh, <laughs> Sorry, his he saw eyes, like the ghost his eyes just peeking up when we saw oh, that like we saw the yeah, ghost for the yeah, first yeah, time yeah, yo just, that was he, creepy he, as fuck it was awesome <laughs> that was, it that was, was like awesome. it was like gorgeous in its own sinister way look so sorry that we did not dedicate more time to talking about oh no respect let's do it right him. now let's yeah. do it right now really quick respect what did you think was the significance of the title Parasite Maybe evaluating who we see as a parasite. I like that. You good, know, good, good opener. Maybe if we consider these people parasites, like, what does that really, like, say about us? Like, this family just trying to, like, make it, and then, yeah, they're leeching off this rich people's family. It's like, oh, what have the rich people been leeching off this whole time? Yeah. Tax breaks for one. And also, like, it doesn't ever matter to the rich people. Like, they're still hiring them as anybody else. Right. The rich people don't... They're not looking out for these people in the same... They're, they're, they're just trying to fill a slot to make their own lives easier they're they're leeching off of the hard labor that the families are putting in ceaselessly the wife is you know she has so much struggle she can't cook she can't clean in the words of her husband like (laughs) they have to essentially do all the domestic work for this family and then their own family exactly so one level of it is that you can read the kim family as the parasites but i'm really resistant to that reading and i don't ever think that the film pushes you in that direction i don't think the film makes you sympathetic to that perspective yeah i think it is more subversion where the parasites are the rich folk who are taking advantage of the sheer luck of their birthrights without contributing to the lives of others or society as a whole and necessarily the same ways as working class people is the same tangible yeah yeah and while sure i'm sure they do fuddy-duddy art i mean mr park's tech company probably does cool things we have the like celloist as you brought up earlier doing Mm. like cool music stuff i don't want to shit on art because you know it's all super great Mm. but it is different and it is maybe contributing in a more abstract less helpful way it definitely i really like the point you make just about this rich family just being a parasite to the labor that all these people are giving them and all the hard work that everyone's putting into them. How do you think this applies to the guy living in the basement? So glad you brought him up because I was wanting to go there too. It's tough, right? Because if we go kind of interpretation by interpretation, at first maybe you think the Kims are the parasites. Hopefully you didn't think that, but you might. And then it shifts and it's like, oh, maybe the parasites are these people living in the basement who are taking food. Eating enough for two. Eating enough for two, which, by the way, turns out to be false anyway. She's been paying for all the food, so haha, like, they were never parasitic on the fridge like that. Checkmate, libs. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, maybe hopefully you get to, like, the other interpretation of Parasites is Rich. But the way I approach the basement is kind of a way to show, oh, you can see them each as parasites from different perspectives, depending on... Not even whose side you are, but maybe just like where you land class-wise, where you land perspective-wise. You can see each as parasites. You can see none as parasites in the same inverse logic. I have to say, I mean, if they're all, you know, being parasites off of each other, they're all interdependent in that way. But it's clearly hierarchical as well. Mm -hmm. Even though we're all dependent on one another, you know, there's a line that can't be crossed between them based off distinctions that are being made by one of them. Yeah, I really like that. I really like that. And I think it ties it all together to say, yeah, there is no parasite and host. Haha, <laughs> the host host. Lamo. There's no parasite host relationship here. There is only feeding off of things and feeding off of things and feeding off of things. And I think Bong Joon-ho's kind of ultimate message here is that things aren't going to get better if we keep leeching and depending on others in this parasitic way. It's only going to get better if we actually try to uplift and support each other in ways that are mutually enriching and not so one-sided. Especially when there's clearly enough to go around. Exactly. So, you know, taking it from the Kim family perspective, or, you know, just just the Kim and the Park family relation, the Parks definitely could have given them a lot more. The Parks definitely could have made their jobs easier in certain ways because the Kims are just disproportionately putting in so much more of their lives to these 
roles that they're taking. And I think that's just really manifested in the flood scene, obviously. I think that just brings it to a full frontal confrontation, not necessarily with these two families at each other, but just their circumstances being yes. realized. Yes. I hate to push this as like a footnote, but the the Native American tie-in. Oh, I was kid. about to say the same thing because we said we were going to talk yes, about and it. and I yeah. definitely want to. Let, well, let's unpack it right now really quick. I think it kind of goes to show again that sort of Americanization making its way into Korean culture where like what do, what do Native Americans have to do with, with like South Korea yeah right, right? like the, the American Native American here specifically too yeah. yeah and it's it's I think sort of this sort of surface level play thing you know it, it's it's a culture that has nothing to do with them except for the fact that it is sort of idolized and mythologized in American culture, and so that sort of trickled down to South Korean upper-class children, you know? Right. I think really just has this Americanized imprint on this culture that is almost absurd. Oh, it feels absurd. Because, like you said, this is a distillation of a distillation. Not only a copy of a copy of a copy, sorry to keep referencing, no, but... The Native American identity and cultural and historical complexity and, you know, we say Native American, but there are countless tribes in the Americas and all across these false borders that we've established. And As if these South Koreans would know any... Right, exactly. Sort of so that. all of this just steamrolling and American history of genocide and erasure and characterization and stereotyping and all of these things of turning the Indian to an image of an Indian and you know, very much switching the language there on purpose to show like how vile and evil and icky that is. And then, yes, now importing that, the same as English, the same as all these class distinctions, as all of these kinds of, oh, I can afford to kind of mimic these things because I have the exposure, I have the privilege, I have like the knowledge to be this kind of global, like, post-South Korean, oh. I have the culture for it. Right, and exactly as you said, as a plaything, as nothing more but... A child's obsession, a child's temporary obsession. So erasing all of that history, completely severing all of these symbols from their original meaning, and instead just using them as anything Daesung wants in that moment. Yeah. As an American, I think it's important to gatekeep American racism. Hang on, I don't think that was quite the takeaway that I was getting there. Is that not the point of Parasite? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, uh, this is the last little bit on the Native American scene, but when you were talking about how they were in the bushes, you saying he crossed the line there really answers a big question for me. Because I was just going to ask you right now, here you're live, like, what did you think of that? Where he's like, oh, you love your wife, huh? Like, you love your wife? Because I couldn't make sense of that. I think that was the Kim father sort of becoming personal like asking personal oh. questions and that kind of happens like earlier in like the you know the, the in the car in the cars where he's just like oh you love your wife right and like that's a personal question that's not like oh you're a working man like, you're a this boss is finally deconstructing the employer employee kind of rebelling against the service service yeah. dichotomy and and trying to relate human being to human being yeah but i mean when he's trying to relate human being to human being in the midst of throwing his child a birthday party and so the fact that he kind of is making these personal connections but he's rejected so vehemently right despite the fact they're both dressed up in native american headdresses like at a, their child's birthday party like what do you mean you you're not supposed you to have can't a personal, be personal connection here, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true, because he does snap back so hard to the professionalism to show, I guess, that he can't see the father as a person, almost, yeah. I feel like. I mean, at least we cannot have this relationship. It has to be, like, strictly professional, or strictly servitile. Yeah, that's a better way of putting it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's not like the professionals co-collaborating. He would never treat anyone in his office that way. No. But he would treat his driver that way, and just expect him to take it silently without without pushing past anything. Because he's just some fucking driver. Right, yeah. Okay, wow. That really, like, illuminates that scene a lot for me, because I just... When I was first reading these scenes, I was like, is there some weird implication that he's trying to, like, get with his wife now? Or that, like, there's adultery or that he doesn't love him? Like, I, I just couldn't... Well, I think... I think I, I almost saw some adultery with it, too. Which, so when he kept asking, like, hey, you love your wife? And he's like, don't stop asking about my wife. <laughs> well, yeah, true. Also, there, there was, like, half a hint about it somewhere in, like, a conversation in the car. Where he's like, oh, you love your wife, right? And he's like, stay out of that, or something. To that oh, effect. I know, I know what you mean. I yeah. Don't so, so there might have been some adultery component. I'm sure there's layers of it too. I'm sure. Or you know, that's just like, oh, that's just my wife. Like she's at <laughs> home, and I have my other business outside of whatever. Again, alluding to some form of adultery. Right. Okay. Okay. Cool. Clockwise. Oh, I. 
What was your favorite scene? My favorite scene. Okay, this is gonna suck because there's, there's a so goddamn many, it, it seven really minute video so on YouTube that's popular about the parasite montage. But like, it's kind of fire, and there's a nice note in it I'd like to mention. Okay. When they're taking the families over and they're going through their little rehearsal, and then it's being executed, and they're setting up the peach peelings, <laughs> and they're pulling up the hot sauce and the fucking napkin. Yeah. And it's the funniest. He looks up and he goes, "It's uh, literally hilarious," you know. And it's both hilarious, it's clever, it's such a beautiful rhythm, it syncs with the music so nicely. It's just such a flowing, masterful moment and sequence. Beautiful. You know, I really can't say enough about that. It's so obvious and self-evident. It's a little basic, I get it, but whatever, right? Oh, I mean, whatever, whatever, it's so good. There's a really cool moment in it that when they're rehearsing their lines, and it's the father speaking his lines, and then it cuts down to the son going, oh, no, 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 let's get, say it, something like this. Right. It's like a weird Franken cut, but you will not notice it because it was done so well. Where in order to sync it up more properly with the music and having proper framing, they did the dolly in of the father and then like a dolly back of the son, but it's not a proper pan from the father to the son. It's like two separate shots that they like morphed the fuck Whoa. together um, just to keep it like the, that montage like super crisp. Again, I literally would have to like show it to you to oh, point yeah. it out because it's so smooth. Oh, yeah. But just the idea that you, just two shots that were like cut together to pan in such a just smooth, articulate way was just mm, like that it is really good ink you, on huh? paper. Yeah, <laughs> I can see why that hit on so many different levels. Holy crap! It's the cuts you don't see. It. Those are the ones that matter the most. A hundred percent. What was your favorite scene? Okay, sorry to harp on the same thing, but absolutely, literally, when he lifts the tissue oh. out of the trash and he's like. Oh, look. <laughs> That's the single funniest joke of the movie. That is lit- Honorary mention when the sun goes out to yell at the pissing man. And instead of- <laughs> He's so well pissed off. That was so good. The dad misses by a mile and just drenches his own child. Oh. It was so good. So, but yeah, no, my favorite by far. I've, I've been literally thinking about this all day. I thought about like getting to work. I thought about it on my walk back from work. I was like, it's him with the tissue. Like, it's him with the tissue. <laughs> 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 like, the face. Like, the it's, just, it's all flawless. It's all flawless. Parasite so, is a goddamn flawless Parasite movie. really, they squeeze every single moment of that movie to just absolute perfection. And it's trim. There's nothing, there's no it's fat in that tr- movie. Exactly. Every single thing you see, every ounce of mise-en-scene is <laughs> the creme de la creme. The par excellence of cinema. It really deserves all the accolades, all the praise that it has gotten, and more, in my opinion. Bong Joon-ho is that fucking visionary. He's that good. It's a masterpiece. It's a a once-in-a-generation type movie. Oh my gosh, yeah. Best movie of 2019. Best movie I saw that year. Best movie I saw this year, maybe. I don't know. Just spectacular. And that's a wrap on Parasite. And on season two. We did did it! Looking back, I can't express how much fun it's been to share these movies. They're stories that deserve to be heard, each for their own unique voice. We value these films as challenges toward traditional American narratives, but also because they're simply amazing. No need to limit yourself to one country cinema. Absolutely. And as we close things out, two seasons under our belts, I have to ask, what are some of the movies that we've watched that have really stuck with you, Kevin? Well, I'd say Cairo Station has really resonated with me over time. I really adored the themes of unionization and femininity that were brought up in it, and the knives and the blood were really just so sexy. Those splatters, mm. those sexy legs. You love to see the knives dangling. No also comes to mind. No way. Excellently showcasing not only cool stylistic innovations, but beautifully inspired unity in the defiance of tyranny. Not to mention it was dope to jump from screen ad to movie. And how could I forget about who killed Captain Alex? Who did? I don't know who killed Captain Alex. We never quite find out. (laughs) But it is an instant classic. Truly one of the best of the best movies. Shout out Wakaliwood. Movie, movie, movie. We will all be staying tuned once Tetsutsa Tuto Ibola comes out. Buy some merch. And what about you? I'm so glad you asked. Immediately what comes to mind for me is Faces Places. I love the message of make art, be an outpour. Sometimes people will love it, sometimes not, but it is a good thing to have made something. And Agnes Varda is adorable and JR is so cute. They're so cute. The next one that comes to mind is Tel Aviv on Fire. That one is just delightful, hilarious. It has this kind of similar multimodal storytelling as no, and it gives us a multi-layered, complex portal into lives so unlike our own. Hummus! Hummus! 
and the soap opera, bro. The soap. Oh, I was feeling. Single tear falls down face. Dramatically. Finally, Hero is one of the movies that has stuck with me since I saw it years ago. And what I took from that is that the stories we tell matter. The stories we tell about ourselves and others to ourselves and others shape how we think about the past, present, and future. And they shape how we see each other. All under heaven. And that is part of the reason we want this podcast, to give you other stories. So make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to Subtitled Cinema on Insta and Twitter for movie lists, behind-the-scenes content, and our last little bit of fun. Stay tuned for some bonus content. Wink, there's going to be more. I'm Kevin. And I'm Michael. And thank you so much for listening.